0: When mapping your career path, especially in a larger organization, there is an often faced conundrum. Should I stick to the same line of business, becoming a domain or niche expert, or should I leverage the internal mobility in the organization, whereby I can get the opportunities to actually change roles and lines of businesses? And what is the path that helps accelerate and secure your future the best? Also, as a hiring manager, should you look to get people from within the same business line or should you look to get diversity and when i say diversity i do not mean identity diversity but diversity of experience and thought process hi there i'm neha i've worked in a bank in almost the same role for 15 years but i'm curious to hear from the other side that is people who have been able to successfully undertake various roles within an organization. Today, I have with me Varun Sharma. He's a senior executive at Google and has worn multiple hats in that organization and thrives with each shift. We will be picking his brain on how he has been able to do this and what are the pointers to keep in mind, both as the employer and as a hiring manager when looking at role shifts. Hi, Varun. Thanks a lot for coming on this podcast and sharing your pearls of wisdom. So both of us are veterans of having spent more than a decade in the same company, which is a rarity these days. But I know that unlike me, you've actually worn different hats in very different lines of businesses in Google. You started in sales, right? How did that work for you?
1: Hi, Lea. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. Yes, you're right. I joined Google uh, way back in 2008, and I did join a client-facing sales organization, which is called Google Business Org. And that's the organization i've been with for the last 13 and a half years and you know i mean when i started my job was to work with online travel companies in india and help them make the most of their digital advertising and digital investments with google i then went on to become um, you know the head of the industry for our e-commerce vertical which at that point of time was just about coming in and wrote the wave nicely you know led that business for two years we saw incredible growth at that time and i think that growth continues to this date And then I kind of completely pivoted over to the media agency world. Now, as you would know, media agencies, when it comes to advertising, they play a huge role in the ecosystem. So I spent three and a half years trying to understand their business, which is obviously very different from the likes of Google and Facebook. But uh, I would say those were formative years for me. So roughly eight, eight and a half years in direct sales with Google. And then, you know, I got an opportunity to pivot into a product strategy role. And that's what brought me to Singapore right now i'm doing a product strategy role representing the region to our global uh, you know product leadership and i'm responsible for prioritization of our markets effective deployment of our ad solutions and also aggregating and garnering feedback from our top client and agencies so that's what i'm doing right now so yeah i mean you know between ibm which was my first job google now i've spent most of my career in sales but now i'm doing something which is actually very different from sales
0: wow that sounds like a massive pivot and that happened when you moved from India to Singapore, right? So how did that transition work?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, in any organization of a certain scale now, as you would know, you kind of reach a point where you have to pivot out. You have to pivot out to, you know, either learn or grow or build different experiences. So in my India stint, which was it started in 2008 until like early 2016, I enjoyed a great trajectory. I was growing, very, you know, fast. I was Moving into different roles every two three years, but at a, after a certain point, it was clear to me that if I have to grow from here on, and if I have to build a career in Google, I have to pivot out. And so the big decision for me was whether I want to build a career in Google or do I want to build a career in India. And at that point, me and my wife we took a call that look, you know, why don't we go and uh, get some international experience and see what comes out of it? And look, it's been it's been six years for us and. Now, you know, if I look back in hindsight, I I wonder why did we not do it earlier? So, yeah, I mean, look, it happened because we knew after a certain point of time, we have to pivot if we have to continuously grow and learn and add different experiences to ourselves.
0: All right. So how did the change from a sales role, which is client facing to a product strategy role, which is internal stakeholder facing? How did that transition
1: work? You know, I must say it was a tough transition. Prior to joining Google, I was in uh, with IBM for a few years, and I was again in direct sales. So you could say that for more than 12 years, all I knew was sales. And this was the first role where the dynamics, the momentum, the KPIs, uh, you know, everything about this role was very different. So it was a sea change for me. So transition was tough because it took me a while to get adjusted to a business where there was very little tangible outcome of your results, I mean of your efforts. For example, in sales, you know your quarters quota, you know your clients, you know your CXOs, you know your products and services, you know what you need to do to get the job done, and you see the results in three months. If you're doing well in a quarter you see that within the three months period if it's not going to happen it's not going to happen and you see that too so it's like you're very comfortable as a as a professional at any point of time because you know where you are exactly in a non-sales role in a product and strategy role i think the biggest challenge for me was to just understand how am i doing and you know we are all coming from these high pressure environments where we inflict a lot of pressure on our own selves you know we keep questioning our own selves. am i doing well am i doing the right thing is it enough and in a role like the one that i'm doing now it's very hard to get to that why because there's no tangibility of your results let me give you an example if i'm trying to solve for pricing in a market like india on youtube like what how should my ad products be priced in a market like india it can often take you know, 6 to 12 months to get the right outcome. You know, Because market forces will determine, will push you in a different direction. Our uh, global product principles will push you in a different direction because we value user cost a lot. So it's always very challenging to get things done in a short period of time. So over these 12 months, how would you assess yourself? Are you doing the right thing? Are you on the right track? And it could very well happen that after 12 months, your pricing remains the same. So how do you tell yourself and your team that look what we did, the effort that we put over the last 12 months was the right one. So that lack of immediate gratification or immediate results was the one big change that I had to grapple with. The other big one was in a role like the one that I'm doing now, I have to be very comfortable uh, leading from the side or leading from behind because I'm not the one who's sitting in front of the client and neither am I the one who is actually shaping and designing the product. My job is to influence at both levels and garner and aggregate the right feedback to help our execs on the product side make the right decisions. So you know this comfort, you have to develop a comfort with with ambiguity, you have to develop a comfort with not having the limelight. So I mean look, those are the two big changes that I had to manage, understand, develop maturity and resilience to keep going. And not question myself every day or every month but eventually i could do it i must say i think it it must have taken me six to nine months to come to grip with it but now i feel pretty comfortable
0: wow i i can certainly relate to that because i was a trader and you know that is sort of the epitome of instant gratification so clearly this transition uh, meant that you had a change in every aspect the pace of business how you define your kpis stakeholders etc and I think we all know sometimes how difficult those internal looking roles can be, as you have to be careful about politics, stepping on people's toes, and obviously, as you've already pointed out, a bit more subjectivity woven in, in defining success. So how do you navigate that? How do you get people on the table to work with you rather than against?
1: Yeah, so look, you used a very interesting term, uh, which some people use, some people tend not to use, and you spoke about politics. I think. We would be living in a fool's world if you were to say that in large organizations, that doesn't happen. But I'll tell you, Neha, what works for me. And this may sound a little uh, as if I'm pontificating or I'm trying to take a moral high ground, but genuinely, this is how I navigate. First thing first, I tell myself that I'm here to do good, high quality work, and I'm here to support people and colleagues and teams around me, and I'm not going to be actively thinking about politics and I will try and do my job in as a political way as possible. Now, most of the times for me it works, sometimes it doesn't work because you have to, you know, go beyond your immediate work and figure out other things. Those things happen. But my advice to anybody listening to this is, like we said, the change has to start from you and if you really want to focus on work and not other things, you should start. Make the start and lead with that. So I always try and lead with a very very apolitical approach and it also you know apart from helping me focus on my work it also gives me a good night's day. Yeah. so like I mean I just wanted to touch upon that because I'm sure this is something that rankles many of us so that's, the way, I yeah, I mean, that's the way I deal with it now coming back to your question on stakeholder you're absolutely right in a role like mine I'm supposed to manage conversations with six or seven leading country managers in Asia Pacific I'm supposed to manage the conversations with the global product leaders so these are all VPs and execs of tremendous experience and skill and they tend to pull you in different directions now you know the way I kind of navigate this is is to go back and try and stick to my principles which are not unique I'm sure you would have heard them before but my first principle is, that ultimately we are in the same company for a reason we are all trying to drive or nudge the company in the in the direction of uh, which is which is our company's vision right so why like i always go in with this positive assumption that all of us here are there to do good for what's right for the company good for the team and make the right decision so you start there you start with the positivity and if you do that i think some of your own biases and your own fears and apprehensions go away. So that's number one. Number two, I think, and maybe this you can term this point customer centricity. You know, like in sales, if you think for your customer, you end up doing the right thing. Similarly, in internal stakeholder management, you have to ask yourself, what's in it for my stakeholder? If you can articulate that in a simple and um, you know, lucid way, the person on the other side understands why you are nudging for working together on something that may require him or her to put an effort but ultimately he or she sees the benefit that he or she will have from that so i think it's very important for you to start with that and not lead with your advocacy so what i mean by advocacy is if i want to get xyz done it never helps if i get stuck on the point that we need to do xyz what helps is first to articulate why is X, Y, Z good for you, Mr. Stakeholder and good for the company. And if you've settled that conversation, it's much easier to then say, now here is how we'll proceed. So I think articulating what's in it for you is very, very important. And the last thing I would say Nia is that, and this is true for life, we readily collaborate and listen and respond to people who we trust. So I always focus on building longer term trusting relationships because once you establish that trust it's easier for you to dip into that equity and get the job done so look i mean like if you were to go and ask the vp of india to get take a lower pricing or increase the pricing because i'm asking and he you know he or she doesn't even know me ain't gonna happen but if you have built a solid credibility and trust with that person chances are that that person will will listen to you so those are my two or three snippets uh, sorry that was a long answer but things that work for me
0: No, thanks. I mean, especially with the examples, I'm sure it makes a lot of sense to most of our listeners. And that does seem a very reasonable way of getting people to talk the same language. So clearly successful pivots can be made within the same organization and in fact help you as an individual to gain a broader perspective of different businesses while enjoying the familiarity of the same organization and work culture. And even for the organization it helps to have employees capable of wearing multiple hats or do you think there are some disadvantages to shifting roles?
1: it's a great question but honestly i'm a bit biased on this question i feel there are only mostly advantages here look i mean there are pros and cons to everything but if you were to ask me i would say diversity of experience is key i mean absolutely key to learning and growth in fact in google we have this term called uh, being uncomfortably excited and founders say, if you're uncomfortably excited, you are in the right place. Look, it is impossible to be uncomfortably excited if you are doing the same thing again and again over multiple years and repeating the same thing. It doesn't happen. And why is this concept of being uncomfortably excited important? Because you know, the moment you are excited, you know that there's something for you to learn, something for you to contribute to. But the term uncomfortable is equally important because it stretches you in ways that probably you've not been stretched in your previous jobs. So your ability to go learn something, throw yourself into different ecosystems and figure them out and eventually succeed, it truly grows you. I mean, if you want to grow and stretch yourself as a leader, as a professional, I would highly, highly recommend that, you know, after two to three years or whatever be that period in your own mind, you try and do something new. And let's talk about this practically as well. When you're working in a large organization, like you very rightly said, you're not quitting the company and joining an early stage startup. I mean, some people, of course, do that. But if you're a bit risk averse, this is the next big, best thing you can do. You know, you can stay within the comfort of the company, you know the culture, you have an equity, but you go learn something new. And I, I always take this example that, if you want to succeed in a large organization, whether it's, you know, if you go back in our Indian, look at Indian conglomerates like Tata's. Tata's used to have this program where they expose you to different functions every two to three years, and then they put you into the path for senior exec stakeholders. I really believe in that concept. Like, if I were to be, look, I don't have a chance to be a you know Google CEO anymore now, but...
0: Don't they, count that out.
1: <laughs> yes, look, thank you for the confidence. But look, for anyone to have a chance, it would be hard for that person to say, oh, my last 15 years have been sales. The, the better chances would be for a person who would say, I've been running my business in this region, you know, and I've X number of years in sales. By the way, I've also had stints in marketing. I also know what it takes to do business development. And, oh, by the way, I also know the dynamics of people ops. That's what I can tell you, I mean, without revealing much, I can tell you that's how Google looks at senior leaders.
0: No, that's fair. But I would also say that while this is truly, truly important but that also there has to be some sensibility in making that jump. It shouldn't be, very, very often people shouldn't brand you as a jumper who just goes without really investing and building the equity in each role.
1: No, of course, that's a great point. Sorry, I missed that. In fact, I must say that in Google, look, I've, I've been fortunate to have interviewed like some 800 people in my last 13 and a half years. It's always a red signal for me. If I see someone changing jobs every 18 months or every two years, almost like a pattern, that's never appreciated. So you're right. So what I recommend, what I recommend is, you should try and look for a change when you believe you've actually learned something, learned something that stays with you in, in your candidature from the job that you're doing, you've also given back to that organization. So it's not just sufficient that you feel I've learned everything and my learning curve is tapered, let me go find something new. Because if you do that, you don't leave a legacy behind. And if you really want to grow as a leader, you should make a move when you genuinely think that I'm leaving a legacy behind and people will remember me for making this nudge to the company, this pivot to the strategy or this impact on the team, you know, then people remember you fondly. And you know, while we say these companies are large, I can also tell you they are remarkably small. Your equity, your brand image uh, stays with you for a very long time. So my best ticket to my next job is my current job. If I'm not excelling in that, it's very unlikely that I'll be given the next big thing. So to your point, you should be very prudent. I mean, judicious and smart about these changes and you don't need to make them in a hurry because that's not going to help you. Thanks Varun. So it's Uh, a tough balance, (laughs) Neha.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it is all about balance. And we do have a lot of young audience on this podcast. who are probably in the middle of their first sort of pivot or are considering their first pivot. So I guess something that you could probably uh, quickly summarize as your advice to them.
1: Sure. So a few things I would say, there. First, I would say Give yourself time to learn, deeply understand the company, the culture that you're in, the ecosystem, the motivations around you. Understand what your stakeholders, clients, customers truly need and want. And don't be in a hurry is what I'm trying to say. If you allow me to give you one final example, I want to share an example of which happened to me in India, which has been a learning for me for the rest of my life. Like when I joined Google in 2008, my manager immediately trusted me with a big, large client and relationship there. And I had a peer... know who used to manage the relationship and he kind of advised me that Varun, maybe let me manage the conversations for the first few months you should just shadow me and in my almost over enthusiastic attempt to add value and earn my stripes i said no it's okay i can manage it and i went into the ceo conversation of a leading online travel aggregator and in the first two weeks i ended up saying things which probably i shouldn't have said and i i did actually a bit of damage to the relationship and you know the ceo had to actually reach out to my boss and said oh this guy is not ready so i'm just giving this example for whoever is listening that that was a mistake a big one but i could quickly understand the gravity of making such mistakes and learn from it i've never done that so any role that i come to i give myself adequate time to learn and build my skills and deeply understand the ecosystem before you know I start influencing or taking charge. So that's my point number one and I think I've covered my point two as well that give yourself time to build competency. People will only value you if you're adding value to them and you're bringing in insights, you're bringing in trends and data and backing your stuff with, with you know well thought through recommendations and all of that takes time. So that's number two. And lastly I would say be ready for change in the world that we are living in and increasingly this world will be moving faster than you and I can fathom or imagine. So you will be pushed and nudged and, you know, jostled into areas that you're not comfortable with. Showing a growth mindset and openness, the humility to, you know, to say that I don't know, please give me time, are going to be your most critical assets. So those are the three things I would say, now.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Arun. Yes, uh, I could relate to your experience. Uh, I would say in summary that from what you've discussed that if your company encourages internal mobility you should definitely leverage it but don't be too quick to jump between roles spend enough time at each role to build your equity and give back enough build your legacy as Varun says it cannot be just about absorbing all the learnings and moving on and if you have successfully moved across enough roles it makes you a very important resource as a senior leader not only will you automatically have good equity and network across the organization, but you'll also be well-versed with multiple functions and facets of the working of organization. And remember, successful collaboration, you must be willing to show the other stakeholders what's in it for them. Flip the narrative from me to us. Is that right, Varun? Have I summarized that, it?
1: That's very well articulated, neha And I think the only parting thought from my side is, Look, you only live once. So if you get opportunities to do different stuff, learn different stuff, go for it.
0: Thanks. Thanks so much for your time today. I'm sure our audience will find this invaluable when considering pivots within organization. If you're listening in today and have any questions, please click the link in the description and head over to our websites. You can submit them. Warren will answer them via subsequent blog posts. And that's it today, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you like this episode, do subscribe to our website where we have a host of other such invaluable navigation tools for a successful career. And in the near future, we'll also give you a chance to ask questions directly to experts like Varun who have navigated across large dynamic organizations and have uh, left a trailblazing career path behind them. I am Neha with Job Talk signing off. See you next time.